Well, it's nice to see you all again this morning. I trust that you've been refreshed by a good night's rest. I do want to just thank you for your warm reception to my wife and I. It's been nice to have the fellowship already around the tables. And it's a joy to have the opportunity to be with you to minister the word of God. I do invite you to turn this morning to, first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'd like to read this portion of scripture really in many ways to set our backdrop from all that we considered last night uh, in our opening session. It's a very familiar portion, uh, often read at weddings, but I think sometimes forgotten that it's actually in the context of how we relate to each other in the local church. Uh, We need to keep that to the fore. Nothing wrong with reading it at weddings, but it's primarily about how we relate to each other in the church uh, as the Lord's people. And that will have particular bearing upon all that we want to think about this morning uh, as we look again at the subject of friendship. So let's hear together 1 Corinthians 13, reading from the first verse. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, So as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our loving Father, We come before you this morning with thoughts of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in our minds and in our hearts, even as we have been singing of who he is and what he has accomplished on our behalf. And how wonderful it is to know, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son into the world to seek and to save us, to bring us to yourself that we might be your children and rebels against you no longer. We ask now, Father, that you would draw near to us and help us this morning as again we take up uh, this subject of biblical friendship. We thank you for the grace that has put us into Christ. We thank you for the grace that brings us into a spiritual relationship with one another. We pray now, O God, that you would instruct us, enlighten our understanding, give us hearts uh, that desire to bring glory and honour to you as we look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. For we ask it in his name. 
Amen. Friendship, a significant aspect of your life, a significant aspect of my life. Two different kinds of friendship exist. Natural friendships, spiritual friendships. We're looking particularly in our time together at spiritual friendships. We established the fact that the whole idea of spiritual friendship is sourced, is rooted in the personal work of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the friend of sinners and who makes us children of God. We saw that true biblical or spiritual friendship arises out of our union with Christ. Being born into the family of God, becoming children of God, being united to God through faith in Jesus Christ brings us into a new world, a new creation, and it brings us into new relationship. New relationship with God, new relationship with others, and we see then that our spiritual union is the basis for spiritual friendship. We also consider the fact then that our Savior demonstrates for us uh, what true friendship should look like when he declares to his disciples uh, that he would lay down his life for his friends. We saw then something of the nature of the love of God for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. A love that once we apprehend it, once it becomes a reality in our life, we then, as the Spirit of God has poured the love of God into our hearts, we then begin to demonstrate it and to reflect it ourselves and how we relate to others around us. If you're a true child of God, it is impossible for you not to in some way be reflecting the love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. I would argue that if that is not happening, you have every reason to believe you may not have been born again. You may be religious, but you're not redeemed. And that's vitally important to understand in our day. Uh, and as we think then of that as what, by way of our demonstration and definition of biblical friendship, then what I want to do to this morning in the two sessions that we have is give you some practical pastoral encouragements and help to flesh out in your life the whole pursuit of biblical friendship. Now again, I have no way in two sessions with you that we can be exhaustive. I wouldn't even argue that I'm going to be comprehensive. I'm simply going to bring some hopefully pastoral encouragement that's drawn out of many years of being a pastor and of trying to be a biblical friend myself and trying to cultivate biblical friendships in my own life and pastoring those who struggle with this and pastoring those who have done well in pursuing biblical friendship. The church can be a lonely place. That may surprise you, but it's true. I've had many, many conversations over the years with lonely Christians struggling to connect, struggling to relate, struggling to have genuine relationships. I don't think that we talk about it as we ought to. We like to keep the superficial element. I always tell my congregation that shaking your hand at the door doesn't tell me very much. I mean, it may tell me whether you liked the sermon or benefited from it or not in a few seconds, but much more has to be done in the pursuit of a relationship than merely a handshake and I'm doing well, I'm fine, pastor, on a Sunday. 
I get to know my congregation. Well, I used to say with their slippers on in Northern Ireland. Now I say their flip-flops on in California, uh, simply because you have to be amongst your people. But there are many lonely people uh, in the church. There are many wounded and disappointed people in churches. You might be one of those sisters this morning. Uh, the tragedy of friendships that have gone awry and were maybe never recovered. It's painful. It's hard. The breakdown, the fractures, the dearth of biblical friendships in churches. I think it tells us what I want to look at in this first session, that biblical friendship can be difficult. There are difficulties in biblical friendship. Friendships can be marked by more difficulties than delights at times. And if we're really being honest, uh, we can find it very hard to work our way through that. Well, what I want to do in our sessions is, is give you some uh, practical encouragements, direction regarding biblical friendship. And we're going to think, first of all, this morning about the difficulties of biblical friendship. But in the time that we have, I've chosen uh, to look at three difficulties and then, Lord willing, in the next session, we'll look at three delights. And the goal is to send you out encouraged to be biblical friends, pursue biblical friendship as you look unto Jesus, who is the greatest friend of sinners. So let's consider then the difficulty of uh, biblical friendship. There are three difficulties of biblical friendship that I want to look at. The first one is this. I want us to think for, for a moment about the difficulty of genuineness or sincerity. The difficulty of genuineness uh, and sincerity. With 1 Corinthians 13 in the background, I want us to turn to the book of Proverbs and to look at uh, what covenant community under the old covenant looked like as God through uh, Solomon predominantly. It gives us what I would call practical wisdom for everyday life, right? Be careful that you don't turn the Proverbs into promises. You'll get into all sorts of trouble. They're not promises. They're truisms, generally truth, generally true statements about life. But not always. There can be exceptions. So be aware as you read your Bible what you're reading. I think very often we can uh, get ourselves into difficult positions, difficult places when we don't approach our Bible understanding what is it we're reading. Uh, we know, don't we, that we're, when we're reading narrative, we're reading narrative. When we're reading poetry, there's a lot of imagery and you're going, I've got no idea what that's meant to represent. Very important, though, that you know that. There's a difference between reading a novel and reading uh, well, I used to say newspaper, I don't think they're around anymore, uh, blogs or, or, or the BBC, which is better than any American news service that you have. And I can say that after 20 years of American news, I'm in a position of authority in regards to that now. I tell my congregation, at least read the BBC, at least you'll know what's going on. may not be the best commentary, but it's far better than anything you have in America. There's no doubt in my mind. So anyway, that said, let's look at Proverbs 18 for a moment as we think first of all then about the difficulty of genuineness in our friendships. The, the difficulty of sincerity in our friendships. In Proverbs 18, we read this in verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. As I was preparing uh, for this conference, I preached a kind of hybrid of these sermons up to my own congregation. One of the commentators that I read said this, It is not the quantity of your friends that matters, 
It is the quality of your friends that matters. We live in a day, don't we, where everybody's got to have a thousand friends. If you're on Facebook like I am, it's the only one I know how to work, and I'm not getting any more. If I get off of Facebook, that might be a good idea. But it's all about friends, isn't it? How many friends have you got? How many friends have you got? You know, you've got to get the numbers up. You know, I've got a thousand friends. I've got two thousand friends, right? We've got this crazy dynamic in our culture to be popular, to be liked. And we pursue it with vigor. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're not influenced by it. But when it comes to the issue of friendship, I want to encourage you. It's not about how many friends you have. It's good to be friendly. We'll talk about that later. But it's about the quality of the friendships that you have. I get to travel with my best friend. She's with me this morning, right? And I make no apology for that. My wife is my best friend in the spiritual sense and in every sense. Um, you may be here as a single woman, and so you don't have a husband. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't have spiritual friendships. Indeed, I would want to encourage you that you need spiritual friendships. We'll think about that later. But what we've got to understand is this, that it's not about the fact that you have lots of friends that makes you a good person, that makes your life meaningful. It's the kind of friends you have. It's the quality of friends you have. This is the first thing I want you to think about. So when we think about the quality of our friendships, the first thing we think about then is the, is the genuineness of them, the sincerity uh, of them. Uh, we want to be those who have real, genuine, sincere relationships. Genuine friendships. But it's difficult, isn't it? Think about it when you join a church. And we have in California this peculiar culture of transient people that wander through our churches every five years until another church pops up down the road and then something better is on offer so then they leave our church and they go down the road to that church because they're more exciting than our church and you know our church is pretty much a we're a means of grace church and we have some ministry uh, but we don't make any apologies for what we're doing but we're not you know necessarily got the best children's program in the city or we're not got the best youth program in the city and uh, people will come in uh, and, and then they'll leave um, the challenge of course then is if you're moving around churches, you're not building too many friendships of a spiritual nature. Why? Well, because it takes effort. It takes investment. It takes sincerity and genuineness to build friendships. So when you come into a church, you don't know the people that you've just covenanted with. right? It was nice to see the church covenant in the, in the uh the foyer there and my wife and I were looking at your wording of your covenant we have a church covenant we say it at the Lord's Supper and uh, you've got a couple of little phrases I like better than our covenant so I may go back and steal those from Jim and take them home but but the reality is when you first covenant in a church right you don't know really who you've just covenanted with you you're assuming they're Christians which is true uh, you're assuming that they're uh, that they're going to love you which is right but you know that there's no way you can be sure of who are you going to build meaningful friendships with. You can't build meaningful friendships with every single member in the church. We have a congregation of 300, uh, 210, 220 members. There's no way, I tell my congregation, there's no way you're going to be really meaningful friends in a very deep way with 220 people. It's just not humanly possible, right? And that doesn't mean we can't have unity and peace and, and serve one another, but you're going to have a circle 
of people around you, maybe five, maybe ten, if you can get the bandwidth right. Uh, next to my wife, my closest friends are my elders and my deacons. And then we have some relationships in the church with some of the folks, but there are folks like circles are on the edge and we go out further. Uh, the reality for you is you can't know, well, who, are, who am I going to invest in? Who's going to invest in me when you first join a church? There's no way you can know that. It's going to take time. Right? And in many ways, it's trial and error, isn't it? Right? You, you, you get to know this person. You sit beside that person. The next week, you sit beside another person. And then you bring some people over to your house. And you know, I don't know if I'm going to have them back. But we'll have uh, somebody else come to our house. And we get to know people. That's church life. That's the dynamic of all of our lives. The difficulty is the issue of who then is going to be genuine and sincere with me and who can I be genuine and sincere with. Many years ago, a young woman joined our church and she liked the fact that we were a fairly open congregation, so she just wanted to tell everybody all our problems. And I'm like, whoa! Well, I want to be transparent, Pastor. So well, you want to be discreet too. We have to be careful, right? Well-intentioned but naive. Right? There are some people who are your brothers and sisters. It's just not wise to tell them some things because they can't handle it yet. You don't know that. You've got no idea the level of maturity of the people. Right? It takes time. Three to five years, I think, it takes to get into a church and get a sense of the congregation. But when it comes to this issue then of friendship, one of the great difficulties is the issue of sincerity and genuineness. And all of us, let's be honest, if you've been on the, Lord's, on the road at any length of time... All of us have been let down at some point or another by a brother or a sister in the church through lack of what we would call or perceive to be sincerity, genuineness. And that makes it difficult because what happens when you get burned? You don't want to reinvest. What happens when you get hurt? You don't want to reinvest. You want to draw back. But you don't have that option as a Christian. That's not an option. Right? If I was to have drawn back for all the hassles and pain and suffering and disappointments I've had in 31 years of pastoral ministry, I would have not got past my first year. Right? I don't have the option uh, to not invest in people, no matter whether they're sincere or not. Right? But we need to be, first of all, ourselves sincere, genuine people. Those who walk honestly before the Lord. Those who have a genuine union with Christ and are wholeheartedly committed to this one ethic, love. We will love one another no matter what. So my general frame is this. No matter what you do to me, I'm going to find a way to love you back. That's the point. Not, well, if you do something to me that really offends me, I'll do something back to you that will offend you. That's the spirit of the world. The spirit of the Christian is that we would overcome evil with good. Romans 12, right? So no matter what the issue happens to be in a friendship, where there can be insincerity, there can be a lack of genuineness, we don't let that offend us. We overcome it by the grace of God, right? We may have to sit down and have the conversation, the hard conversation. My dear sister, I want to chat to you. I feel you've been insincere. Mm. Right? I feel there's a lack of genuineness in our relationship right now. You see, to overcome the difficulty of sincerity and genuineness, we have to talk about it. We have to have the conversation. We have to be willing to go there. 
with each other. And so, brothers, dear sisters, I want to encourage you this morning. You may be in a situation, I don't know your situation here, that's one of the benefits of being a visiting preacher. I've got no idea about any of your lives. I know where Becky lives, because I'm at her house. But apart from that, I don't know anything, really, right? She's married to Fred, I know that, right? But I don't know anything about your relationships. I don't know anything about the life of the church at 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 a meaningful level. So I can encourage you, maybe there's an issue in a relationship right now, a friendship right now, where there's a challenge regarding sincerity and genuineness. And you need to have that conversation. Towards what end? That it would become genuine, where you feel there's a lack. That it would become sincere, where you feel there's been a diminishment or there's a lack of it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that even further when we move on through this session this morning. So genuineness is a difficulty, right? And one of the, one of the ways that we become more genuine, more sincere in a relationship is simply that we invest in one another's lives. I want to remind you of one of the great stories in the Old Testament where I believe two women worked hard at overcoming the various hurdles in the relationship to really have a very genuine friendship. Turn to the book of Ruth. And I want you to think about this with me just for a few moments by way of an illustration. What I really like about uh, this particular issue not that the book of Ruth is primarily about the relationship between Ruth and Naomi, because I don't think it really is, uh, but rather it's about the lineage of David and the king that is coming. But against the, in, in the context of that, we have this amazing relationship that develops between uh, a, mother, a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. And if you think through the circumstances of the lives of these women, It's quite a remarkable story to see how the relationship grows in sincerity and genuineness. But over a period of time, right? Don't expect absolute genuine sincerity the first time you have a conversation with someone. You're going to have to invest in their life, right? And here's Naomi uh, and here's uh, Ruth. And we know, of course, that uh, Naomi is there uh, with Elimelech uh, in the land that she shouldn't have been in. I'm convinced that they shouldn't have been there, right? Uh, They ran away from Israel because there was a famine instead of trusting the Lord. And they ended up in real trouble. And uh, their sons marry pagan women. And you can imagine all that that would have entailed initially, right? A lot of of heartache, a lot of heart searching, a lot of struggle, right? God in his sovereign hand overrules the whole situation. All the women go through bereavement. They're thrown together in heartbreak. They lose the men of their lives and eventually Naomi decides, well, I'm going to go back to the homeland. And and the whole story is is, is a very emotional story, right? Um, But what do you discover? You discover that Ruth wants to go with her mother-in-law. And I I, I like to speculate on the kind of conversations that they would have had. You know, well, you can't can't do that. Well, I'm coming. And then you come to this portion of the, the narrative in Ruth chapter 1, which to me, I, I love. Verse 15. She said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, 
and your God, my God. Do you know what that tells us? It tells us that Ruth had understood the covenant God of Israel is the God with whom she has to do. And that she needed to trust in him. And that Naomi was going back to the land of Israel to serve him. She was going too. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Does that not have echoes of laying down your life for your friend? This is the spirit of Ruth towards Naomi. You see this in this relationship. There's a sincerity, there's a genuineness here that has developed in this relationship between these women. So much so that Ruth is prepared to leave her homeland and go with Naomi and in many ways simply trust God for the future. And of course we know the rest of the story, don't we? Who is it that encourages Ruth to go after Boaz? It's Naomi. Right? There's, that, there's that relationship, that sincerity. But recognize, dear sisters, that this was not something that was easy. This is not something that just came simply to them. This was forged in the adversities of life, in the challenges of life, as they were thrown together in the providence of God uh, through heartbreak and heartache and, and the battles with faith and unbelief and all of that. But out of it comes... A genuine, sincere, biblical friendship. And we see then that it's possible to overcome the difficulty of are they sincere, are they genuine. I think we have to be very willing to walk humbly with one another uh, and, and address any sense that maybe there's an insincerity or an, a lack of genuineness in a friendship uh, that can arise. The best way to do that is to simply sit down and have a, a gracious, humble chat together as sisters. So that's the first difficulty uh, that I want you to uh, see uh, that you might struggle with. Are they genuine? Uh, are they sincere? Uh, how am I supposed to uh, overcome that? Uh, the reality is that we need to be aware uh, that it is challenging. Friendship, biblical friendship is challenging. It's difficult. It's not easy. Don't be discouraged when you find that it's a challenge. Um, it's not about the, how many friends you have. It's not the quality, a quantity. It's the quality of your friendships that matters the most. And so genuineness, sincerity is the first difficulty that we have to overcome. Secondly, and, and it's tied in very tightly to this, and we bounce off of Naomi and, 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 and Ruth here, is then the difficulty of loyalty. Loyalty. Right? Because flowing out of genuineness is a loyalty and friendship. A loyalty and friendship. And here we see, don't we, uh, Ruth and, and, and Naomi and how the loyalty develops as the sincerity grows. Right? And, and Ruth is committed to staying with her mother-in-law and going back into the land of Israel. Come what may. Right? Come what may. And, and when it's come what may, it means loyalty. There's a loyalty. I'll stick with you no matter what. That's what loyalty is all about. And it arises out of a, a genuineness uh, in our relationship. And that's why we need to turn again to Proverbs. Turn back to uh, Proverbs uh, 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. 
at all times. Now, there are only two kinds of experiences in life that we have, aren't there? Ecclesiastes 7. You know that? The day of prosperity and then the day of adversity, right? You're either going through prosperity right now or adversity right now or a bit of both, right? You can have good health, that's prosperity, but you might have just lost your job, that's adversity, and both can be happening at the same time, right? You're enjoying prosperity and adversity, right? Uh, we only experience prosperity or adversity under the sun. That's the reality of it. And here we see then uh, that the book of Proverbs exhorts us to realize that a friend loves at all times. Whether it is in days of adversity, whether it's in days of prosperity, there is a loyalty in our relationship with one another. We hear it this way in the New Testament, don't we, in Romans. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what the Apostle Paul exhorts us to. When there are those who are suffering, we're there. And when they're celebrating, we're there, right? Now think about it for a moment, how important this is. How many of you want to have a birthday party that nobody turns up at? Right? The whole point of having the birthday party is that you invite your friends over to celebrate that happy day. Right? So there's, there's a, a rejoicing. Right? And yet, when maybe someone's lost their job, or lost their parents, or lost a child, there's also the weeping with those who weep. There is the loyalty whether it be in prosperity or whether it be in adversity. Now, one of the interesting elements I think that we have to think about here in this whole issue of loyalty can often come when our friend is prospering in a way we are not. And that can often be one of the hardest places to be loyal to our friends. What can often rise up in our hearts is jealousy and envy and a wishing it was me, and a struggle that it's not me. I think one of the best examples of loyalty then that we have that overcomes this very reality in the, all of Scripture is the famous friendship uh, that we have in David uh, and in Jonathan. Turn to 1 Samuel just for a moment. 1 Samuel 18. Think about the context here of this friendship. Who is the heir to the throne, naturally? It's Jonathan. But who is the heir to the throne in the purpose of God? It's David. But what do you find in the relationship with Jonathan and with David? You find that Jonathan embraces the prosperity of his friend, even though it is at his cost. It is at his cost. This is... What laying down your life for your friend looks like in Jonathan's life. He is willing to allow David to be the king knowing that that is the purpose of God. He is the one who gives him his royal garments almost in a symbolic way as if to say I recognize the throne will never come to me. It is going to you. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. This is loyalty in a friendship without jealousy, without envy, without that which can easily make a friendship go awry. And we need to be aware of this. We need to see this. Loyalty and friendship is difficult, right? 
I think of it from a woman's context and those experiences I've had as a pastor, right? Uh, two young couples. One young couple quickly conceives for a child. The other young couple, four years go by, five years go by, six years go by, no conception of a child. What can happen in a friendship? Not loyalty, but envy, jealousy, right? My parents were 11 years married before they had the wonderful blessing of me. And uh, when I got to Sacramento a number of years ago, there was a young couple in the church and they had been trying for a child and they were about nine, ten years mark. And, and it was difficult. They longed for God to give them a child. And eventually, at the 11 year mark, the Lord was pleased to give them a child. And I had the joy earlier this year of baptizing that young man into our membership in our church. That's what happens when you stay long enough, you see some really good things. You see a lot of bad things, but you see some really good things in the church. Uh, and and their, their rejoicing was a rejoicing that many in the church were able to have. But it takes the grace of God, doesn't it? It's very easy for us to become jealous and to be envious. And instead of having loyalty to our friends, we become disloyal, we become disaffected, we become distant. Or we'll use all sorts of excuses and reasons for it, but the bottom line can be in those contexts, it's really jealousy, it's really envy. It can happen where uh, middle-aged couples... Uh, friendships and one of the husbands gets a promotion over the other one and what happens not rejoicing with those who rejoice but jealousy envy the friendship breaks that friends who've been friends for 10 15 years suddenly are no longer friends why because that has entered into the heart and disloyalty has taken place. And yet here we see David and we see Jonathan. And to me, Jonathan becomes this great example to us of one who is willing to lay down his life for his friend in that he is the rightful heir to the throne. Yet he willingly gives it up for David and for the glory of God. Why? Because he loved David. Notice what it says in 1 Samuel 18 verse 3, David made a covenant, Jonathan made a covenant with David. That's interesting, isn't it? Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. See, what's at the heart of, of genuineness and what's at the heart of loyalty and friendship? It's a heart of love. It's a reflection of the grace of God to us, the love of God for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We are brought into a relationship with God through faith in Christ. We enter into covenant with God through our covenant head. And as we apprehend that in our hearts and lives, we then begin to reflect that in our relationships. And here, uh, Jonathan makes this covenant with David. Why? Because he loved his friend as his own soul. There's a loyalty that we must have in our friendships. But it's difficult. It's difficult. Why? Well, because of our remaining corruption. Because of our remaining sin. And yet we must be committed. We must overcome. We must be wholeheartedly devoted to our friendships being friendships that are marked by loyalty. Maybe this morning, that as you come to this conference, you're aware that this kind of situation has arisen in your heart. And maybe there's a distance between you and a sister that has arisen. It may even have been going on for a few years now. 
But you know this is really at the heart of why the relationship is not what it used to be, perhaps. Maybe it's time to bury the hatchet. Maybe it's time to repent of it. Confess that you allowed envy, you allowed jealousy, disaffection to enter into your heart, that the friendship then broke, that you weren't that friend who loves at all times. My dear sisters, don't allow these things to come in and infect your soul and affect your friendships. Friendships are difficult. Friendships are challenging. But we must love as Christ calls us to love. That brings us then to the the third aspect that I want us to consider and that really follows on from these uh, two other difficulties of genuineness uh, and loyalty. And that is the difficulty of honesty. The difficulty of honesty. What did we read in 1 Corinthians 13? Love rejoices in the truth. Now you can think, well, that's all about telling people about Jesus and the gospel. And of course it covers that. But really what it means is this. Love just speaks the truth. Right? Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we are to truth it in love. Right? And yes, relating to the gospel and the truth of Christ. But the reality is, of all the people on the earth today, who should be the most honest? The people of God. We are to walk in the light as he is the light, right? And yeah, isn't it interesting that one of the hardest elements, the most difficult elements in friendship is being honest with each other, telling each other the truth. Turn to Proverbs 27. Here's a very well-known text that we often only ever quote the first part of. But I want to look at the whole text. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We all all know that part, don't we? Oh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, isn't it interesting how that proverb is put together, right? Really, the kisses should be from a friend. And the wounds should be from an enemy. But it's flipped here for a reason. What's the reason? The reason is to encourage us to walk in honesty. To tell the truth to one another. To be honest with one another. And yet I would argue argue this is perhaps one of the most difficult elements about biblical friendship. Now it's true, as I mentioned that dear sister of many years ago, that transparency is often naivety. Discretion is really important, right? You don't tell everybody all your business all the time, right? You learn how to be discreet, how to be discerning, how to be prudent, which is really, in many ways, what the book of Proverbs is all about. Yet at the same time, there must be a level of candor with each other. A level of being candid, right? And so maybe the way you deal with that is to say, well, can I be candid with you, my dear friend, for a moment? And this is awkward to say this, but I want you to understand, blah, 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 whatever it may be, right? Rather than pretense, rather than uh, falseness, right? This text in Proverbs is 
an exhortation to be a woman of integrity, a woman of honesty. Now, there are many risks, aren't there, involved in telling a sister or telling a brother something they need to hear, right? I, I can assure you as a pastor, it's an occupational hazard. I tell my elders when we've got a meeting, perhaps an awkward meeting with a member or whatever, I say, well, there's only two ways this meeting's going to go, well or badly. And there's no in-between usually, right? I sit someone down and I have to say to them, and try to couch it in the best Scottish kindness that I can, this is going to be an awkward conversation. However, we need to talk about this. I need to understand this, or I need to point this out, or whatever, right? There needs to be a candor. There needs to be an honesty in our relationship with one another, in our marriage, right? My wife has learned over the years how to approach me and how to influence me in a good way without me reacting, right? She never interrupts my soccer when I'm watching my soccer. She may have the most... The house may be burning down, but that's not the time to talk to Rob about the house, right? The reality is, right, she's, but she's going to be honest with me, right? And, and over the years, we've cultivated this in our marriage, what I've said to her. There's, there's nothing I don't want my wife to be able to say to me. There's nothing I don't want my wife to be able to confront and point out. I want her to live in the liberty of honesty with me. I don't always like what she says, even when she criticizes my sermons, right? She's my best critic. The first thing I always ask her when we get in the car is, well, how do you think it went? And she is really very, very ruthlessly honest with me. <laughs> and she'll tell me, yeah, your first point was good. It was fine. The second point was a bit long. The third point, I have no idea what you were trying to say. <laughs> and that's good for me to hear because I want to be communicating in a context with my wife that is as honest as it's possible for two saved sinners to be with each other for the glory of God. I don't want to be living in a world of falseness, pretense, dishonesty. And then translate that then into our wider relationships. In our eldership, we have to cultivate an honesty with each other. We have to be willing to say hard things to each other for good reasons. And the reality is that this text tells us this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. When you tell someone something to flatter them or to impress them that's not true, you know what you are? You're telling a lie. It's dishonesty. Better to say nothing than to be dishonest. But you know and I know, don't you, that in terms of biblical friendship, this is difficult. This is hard, right? You need courage. I'm a coward by nature, right? I have a big yellow streak up my back. You can't see it, but especially when I'm going into those hard pastoral meetings, that yellow streak just starts to get really wide and big and right up over my shoulder. I think, Lord, can we send some of the other elders? I don't want to deal with this. But you have to. You have to sit down. You have to be honest with people. You have to help them uh, to see the issues that are at stake rather than pretend, rather than... Uh, give them kisses in the pretense that everything is okay. And it may be this morning, this is the most difficult element for you. You may be a quiet, uh, you know, somewhat reserved individual. You say, I can't do this. Well, I understand there's none of this you can do without the Lord Jesus. That's why Jesus said, without me, <laughs> you can do nothing. Right? I'm not saying to you, be genuine, be loyal, be honest in your own strength. I can't be that way. You can't be that way. 
but I am going to say to you, the Lord being your helper, the Lord being the friend of your soul who has redeemed you and brought you to God, given you his spirit, he can enable you to be genuine and to be loyal and to be honest and to be growing in your genuineness and in your loyalty and in your honesty. We will never be done growing in our friendship with others in the church, right? I have uh, been in Sacramento now 20 years. It's hard to believe. There are probably 12 to 15 people left in the church from when I went there 20 years ago. That's how much of a transient context it really is in Midtown. And so the vast majority of the people have come in under my ministry over the years. But those 12 to 15 people who are still there, I I probably would say I know them the best. They know me the best. And we talk the most candidly. Uh, amongst all of our church members, right? New members who come in, you're just getting to know them. There's more of a discretion, carefulness. With some of those older saints now who know me well, they know my weaknesses, they know my strengths, they know my humor. Uh, they're, they're, they're much freer with me. They'll tell me straight, I think you got that wrong, Rob. I think that was probably not a good idea. And they know I'm going to go, thank you, I appreciate that. And, and you say it in love, and I know you do. It's not a, it's not a censorious criticism, Right? Well, that's because over the years we've invested. Over the years we've, been, we've spent time together. Over the years we've overcome the difficulties of growing in sincerity, of cultivating loyalty, of being willing to really be honest with each other. My uh, secretary, Sandra, she just retired, um, and uh, she's still in the congregation, sweet woman. And over the years... She, uh, she, we grew in a relationship in such a way that she would tell me straight. <laughs> she had my back many times. Rob, you were meant to be there about 20 minutes ago. Uh, did you remember you've got to do this and do that and you forgot this? And she could say that to me and I would just be thankful that she had my back. She was genuine, she was loyal, and she was honest. Uh, and dear sisters, that's the, that's the, the kind of friendships that you want. That's what you want to be cultivating. That's what you want to be pursuing. For that's what the Lord has called us to as Christians. And it's a challenge for sure. It's not something that we're going to do perfectly. But it's well worth pursuing for the glory of God. And so I want to encourage you this morning uh, as you think about your friendships, as you think about your relationships in the church, Yes, recognize it's difficult. It's hard work. It takes effort. You must look to Christ. You must be seeking God for grace and for for, for courage and for strength. But genuineness, loyalty, and honesty are critically important for healthy relationships. And so, though it's difficult, it's worthwhile pursuing. Because this is what Christ is to us, isn't it? Christ is the most genuine and sincere person in our lives, right? He's the most loyal. He will never let us down. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know I'm not the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? I can be pretty moody sometimes, right? And he always tells us the truth because he is truth itself. And so, my dear sisters, this morning, 
my goal in encouraging you to think about the difficulties of biblical friendship that you need to be aware of and overcome. Uh, I, I say it to you not to do it in your own strength, but to look to Christ who is calling us uh, to cultivate healthy spiritual relationships, biblical friendships in the church for the glory of his name. And know that with him all things are possible. I look back over 30 years of ministry and I'm amazed that there are things now I do as a pastor that when I was a younger pastor terrified me. Now I actually just do it by second nature and it doesn't bother me half as much as it used to, right? Uh, you know, when people say they're going to leave my church, for example, they're going to leave Emmanuel, I'm okay with that. I actually now positively will say, where do you want to go? How can I help you get there? When I was a younger pastor, I was like, oh, this is terrible. People are leaving the church. But the reality is at the end of the day that as you grow as a Christian, you grow in your relationship with Christ, you're able then to handle these experiences with a greater genuineness, a greater loyalty, even to their soul. And you're honest, right? I'm not the best preacher in Sacramento. It's okay that you want to have a better preacher. I'm okay with that. I am what I am by the grace of God. When I was younger, it was more of a challenge because the Lord has helped me to grow in that. And so I want to encourage you that no matter where you're at as a Christian this morning, as a sister in Christ, a young Christian, an older Christian, recognize that this is possible. These difficulties are possible to overcome by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't let the challenge of genuineness, the challenge of loyalty, the challenge of honesty discourage you when it's not happening. But rather, identify it, bring it to the Lord, and ask him for grace to overcome the difficulties of cultivating, developing genuine biblical friendships. May the Lord be pleased to write these things on our hearts and to enable us to be what he calls us to be through his son. Let's pray. Father, when we contemplate the joy of friendship, we also are aware of the challenges. And even as we have walked through a few of these challenges this morning, we're aware that apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, I do pray for each and every one of these dear sisters as they reflect upon uh, who they are as Christians and what they are like as friends to others, uh, that, Father, you would encourage their hearts even as they reflect on some of these difficulties that we've looked at. We desire to be genuine. We desire to be loyal. We desire to be honest. But we recognize, oh God, the battle that that is and the fact that apart from you, we cannot be what you call us to be. So help us, Father. Help us to identify the difficulties. Help us to... Uh, face the difficulties, help us to overcome the difficulties, that our friendships might truly bring honour and glory to your name, for we ask it in Jesus' name.